Are you obsessed with Los Angeles? Head over heels in love with the City of Angels? Well, this is the podcast for you. At Lifehacks LA, we hack the best in arts, eats, and activities in Los Angeles. So join us and become an LA hacker. What's going on, LA hackers? This is your host, Stefan, and welcome to episode number 63. You know, when I first fell in love with LA, it was for many of the same obvious reasons that other people do. Mainly the fantastic weather and the fact that there's so much to see and so much to do. But after living here for a while, I started to learn about the incredibly rich history of Los Angeles. I think outside of LA, you aren't really aware about much of this history. And part of that is probably because Los Angeles is a fairly new city compared to some of its East Coast counterparts. In fact, let's let's check and make sure I'm right on that. Alexa, when was the city of Philadelphia founded? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania was founded in 1682 by William Penn. It is 338 years old. Alexa, when was the city of Los Angeles founded? Los Angeles, California was founded in 1781, 239 years ago. Yeah, so I was right. So you can see that's about a hundred year difference. And I think that's why most of the rest of the country is aware of the historic happenings of the New Yorks, the Philadelphias, the Bostons, you know, kind of on a national level and not as much for Los Angeles. But we do have an incredible history here in L.A. with so many interesting and wild characters that help build this city to what we all see and enjoy today. And one of the ways I personally started learning about this history is with a podcast called The Hidden History of Los Angeles. The host, Robert Peterson, dives super deep into fascinating personal stories about Los Angeles and how and who it was shaped by. So I'm very excited for this episode today as Robert and I are going to talk all about the hidden history of Los Angeles. You're going to hear some stories you probably haven't heard before. So if you love learning about LA's past like I do, you're going to love this interview. As always, stay tuned to the end and I'll share one of my personal favorite stories from Los Angeles' history. Okay guys, enjoy this conversation with Robert from the Hidden History of Los Angeles and I'll talk to you again soon. Hey, what's going on, LA Hackers? Please welcome our guest today, Robert Peterson from Hidden History Los Angeles. How are you doing today, Robert? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you on, Robert. Like I, I was telling you, I've been listening to your podcast for quite some time. I've listened to just about every episode, so it's really cool to have you on. Well, glad to be here. All right, awesome. So before we get into Hidden History LA, we always like to find out more about our guest. Um, where are you from originally, and how did you make your way to LA? So I was uh, born and raised in Pasadena and have spent most of my life in the LA area, um, <clears throat> except for a four-year stint in the Bay Area for college. Um, in addition to Pasadena, I lived in Angelino Heights for about 10 years, which is near Echo Park. You lived a few years in downtown, which was a lot of fun. Um, it's funny because my wife has commented several times about how local I've stayed throughout my life. Uh, we lived for a few years in Old Town Pasadena and it was like a block away from where I was born. Wow. And, yeah, and it's, yeah, even now this weekend, I'm taking my daughter back to swimming lessons and the pool she'll, she'll be learning how to swim in is the exact same pool. I learned how to swim in. Many, That's many pretty years. awesome though. Yeah. So I like it. I, you know, uh, all this to say, I, I've stayed pretty local for most of my life here. Oh, okay. So, wow. So you've seen so much history and that's why you, uh, 
have that podcast, but you've actually been here your whole life. Like most people I talk to are transplants like myself, but I mean, if you break it down by neighborhood, there's so many things that have happened just in the last 20 years. If you take downtown and, and the, at Echo Park, like you said, so it's pretty interesting that you've been able to observe all that. Yeah, no, these neighborhoods are constantly changing and it, it's not just now. I mean, it's, you know, growing up in Pasadena, anybody who's been in Pasadena for the past few decades will remember how much old town Pasadena has changed. You know, when I was a kid, it was, there were just a few shops open, mostly, you know, there were a lot of vacant buildings. Uh, it wasn't the hub it is now. Uh, downtown's changed, Echo Park, all these neighborhoods have changed. And, but it's also a similar tale. I mean, you know, my dad grew up west of downtown uh, near MacArthur Park. And, you know, he talked about the neighborhoods changed a lot for him since the 50s. Uh, and then my grandmother, it changed a lot for her since the 30s. So I think that's a very uh, common theme in Los Angeles is the, the change and all of us kind of dealing with our neighborhoods changing and understanding what that change means. Yeah, I definitely think it's part of the culture and personality of LA, just this constant change and upheaval and some good, some bad, but it's just always happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And whether you like it or not, exactly. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, or we all have different opinions of it, but it's it's just kind of coming to grips with it. And it's just a common, just such a common theme. And it's interesting how neighborhoods fluctuate because, you know, I was just thinking about Echo Park today before we got on and someone had mentioned that it was getting, um, you know, a little dangerous or bad there. And the last time I was there, it was getting really, really nice. So, and I know it has a history of um, issues. So, you know, it's kind of gone a certain direction and now it's kind of going back a certain direction. Yeah, and it will change again. I mean, that's that's the thing that I think is, you know, as we get older, we kind of latch on to a different certain time period in a neighborhood that we love, and then it changes and it and it hurts because we love that time period for a variety of reasons. And Echo Park's gone through so many changes. Uh, you know, I was there from '99 to about 2010, and you know, when I first moved in, I mean, you did hear. And I don't want to. The neighborhoods. A, varied. It's not, you know, sometimes people talk about it, it, violence. It, you know, there's a lot more to that neighborhood than and there was some violence in, you know, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, but we did hear gunshots, you know, when you first moved in. And, uh, but by the time I left, you know, the neighborhood had really transformed and it's transformed even more now. Um, and there's good and bad out of that. You know, obviously there's bad when people who can't afford to live in the neighborhood they grew up in and people get pushed out and can't afford to live somewhere. Uh, but then there are also a, a lot of great things that have popped up in Echo Park, uh, music venues and places to eat and things like that. So, you know, it's complicated. And, but the history of Echo Park has been complicated before that, you know, uh, you go into the hills, uh, you know, there was a, a Bolshevik way and Red Hill where you had communist communities, there's been artist communities in the hills. Um, you know, the history of Echo Park has constantly been changing. So you know, as with many things in LA history, it's complicated. Yeah, definitely. And it's pretty interesting how each neighborhood has its own story like that. All right. So Robert, let's get into, like you said, you've been here your whole life. So in general, what are some of your favorite things about living in Los Angeles and why you stay? <laughs> well, for me, LA is like a big bowl of gumbo, you know, uh, people from every walk of life, you know, from all over the country, different states, all over the world, they're all living and working here in this beautiful and messy and complicated city. Uh, but it's not just the diversity, you know, it, it's, it's partly the challenge of living here and understanding this city. Um, LA is enormous, 
it, it's hard to get your hands around it. And, um, you know, I think, I don't know if this is a proper film analogy, but it's hard to capture the city in one shot. So it's, you know, whether you're a tourist here and for just a couple of days or a resident for many years, it's hard to see and understand the whole city. You know, I've been here my whole life, most of my whole life, and, and I'm still constantly learning and discovering new things about Los Angeles, which for me, I love. That's one thing I love about the city. It, it, it's, it's not easy. Um, and you're just constantly learning and, and, and discovering new parts of the city. Yeah, that's so true. It's so diverse and different that I think that you have to spend significant time in a certain area to really appreciate that area for you know for example i've lived in burbank i've lived in mid-city i've lived in the south bay and even though i visited a lot of those places before i lived there i didn't really know the feel of it until i was actually in the neighborhood every day you know definitely and and then you 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 multiply that you know time and time again because you know i have friends that you know if you grow up in bell uh, if you grow up in Burbank, if you grow up in East LA, if you grow up in Beverly Hills, uh, the Palisades, Crenshaw, uh, you know, the San Gabriel Valley, Walnut, you know, these, those are all very different experiences and very, very important parts of life in LA, but they're all very different. And it's, it's hard to really get a taste and understanding of all these different neighborhoods. Yeah, definitely. All right, Robert, so let's talk about your podcast, Hidden History Los Angeles. I think one of the fascinating things about Los Angeles is before I moved here, and I think to the country in general, we don't necessarily think of LA as being having all this rich history and culture. We, you generally think of like East Coast cities like New York, Boston, Philadelphia, et cetera. But um, you know, when you get here, then you realize how much history Los Angeles and these fascinating stories. So I wanted to ask you, how did you personally first started getting really interested in LA history? So I've been hearing about stories about LA's past my whole life. Uh, all four of my grandparents moved to the LA area in the 1930s. Uh, my mom grew up in Pasadena and Altadena and my dad grew up in West of downtown. Um, so I've been hearing stories about LA's past, you know, my whole life. Uh, you know, I remember hearing about my grandmother putting on her nice clothes and her gloves and taking the streetcar to have tea at Bullock's Wilshire or my dad going to see Hollywood star games at old Gilmore field where the Grove is now. And for those listening at home, uh, before the Dodgers came here, we had minor league baseball and in LA, we had, uh, you know, uh, the Hollywood stars and the LA angels. And that was a big thing. My Pacific coast league, minor league baseball was a big thing. And my dad even has an old Hollywood stars program signed by Harpo Marx, you know, <laughs> uh, which I love. I I'm a big Harpo Marx fan. So, yeah. uh, but I just grew up hearing about all these stories. And then when I went to college and started getting a little more serious about reading about LA's history and learning about, you know, planning and, and, and city policy, I was taken aback by there was so much focus on New York and Chicago. And I felt like, you know, LA doesn't necessarily run the same way that New York and Chicago does. Um, so uh, I actually did uh, a thesis, my senior thesis, uh, comparing different neighborhoods in LA and kind of trying to figure out why they look the way they do. Uh, you know, I, I compared Pasadena, West Covina and Carson and started looking at, you know, like why, why in Northwest Pasadena is it, you know, uh, why is the black community predominantly in that area? Why are the Latino communities in this area? Why does the city look the way it does? Um, and so that kind of really 
got me down the road to really digging a little deeper into the city's past and trying to really figure out and understand um, why the cities are the way they are. Why does Pasadena look the way it does? Uh, it's not chance, you know, there's a long history, everything from changes in immigration law in the 1960s to, um, you know, informal and formal segregation uh, policies. There's a lot that goes into making our cities look the way it does. And I'm just obsessed in trying to figure those things out. Wow. And, and so how did that lead you to the podcast? Um, did, and how did you start Hidden History and how has it evolved over time? Uh, so, and I apologize, you might hear my one-year-old crying in the back. This is oh, no worries. I told you before I don't edit anything. So as long as he's not screaming in the microphone, we're okay. Um, so, I, I think I started the podcast in 2013. I just, I've always been obsessed with LA history and- Wow, you started, started in 2013? I'm 20 what? So you started in 2013? I think 2013. That's super early for a podcast. That's amazing. Yeah, I started, I started listening to some other podcasts and really liked them. And I was like, you know, I'll give it a try. Um, I, I must say there wasn't a lot of thought into it originally. It was like, you know, I love LA history. I'll give it a go, I'll give it a try. And I just started doing it and continued doing it. And I love doing it. Um, you know, uh, the only thing that stops me from doing more of it is there's only 24 hours in the day and I have a job and a family. <laughs> so, uh, but I absolutely love working on the podcast. It's been a great outlet for, you know, something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, um, before I just loved Los Angeles, the weather obviously, and the things to do. But once I lived here and started reading about the history, there's just so many fascinating stories. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, I know that we tend to romanticize certain periods, but for you, what is your favorite period of LA based on what you know? Like uh, what was the like heyday of Los Angeles? That's a good question. I, some people I know really have fallen in love with some period or some area of Los Angeles. Like I know people who are just in love with Bunker Hill, like old Bunker Hill, or people are obsessed with the forties or maybe the sixties. I have never really fallen in love with one era. Like I'm, you know, I'm not the type of person I don't dress up in some era like that's I've, I've never, to me, I'm, I'm kind of interested in all the different decades. Uh, if I could go back in time and I'd be very interested to see LA back in the very early years, 1850s, 1860s, 1870s, maybe before the 1880s boom, just to see what it looked like um, because we don't have many pictures and we don't have as much information. So there's just a lot that we don't know about, but you know, um, you know, I'd love to see the thirties. I'd love to see the forties. I mean, there, I, I, I'm interested in all the different decades. Uh, I really haven't at this point, you know, just fallen in love with only one decade. Yeah. I mean, every, every decade has a story, but I've always kind of been drawn to like the early thirties and the forties, like you said, Bunker Hill. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Obiot penthouse. Are you familiar no. With um, the only reason why I know about it is because I knew a person who used to run events out of there, but uh, this guy named James Oviad, he had this fascinating history, but it was all during like, you know, late 1920s to the 30s, like the super wealthy guy. And uh, he had a crazy interesting story, but I, I don't know if it's the fashion or the fact that speakeasies are popular now, but I really think <laughs> that like 30s, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and so I wanted to ask you about that because um, I think most of us have heard of some of these people who have built Los Angeles and, and some of their stories, you know, like uh, William Mulholland. Uh, sure. Griffith from Griffith Park and Walt Disney, of course, has a huge impact on the history of LA. 
So can you share with us, um, since you go in, you go so in depth, um, can you share with us some of the characters that built LA's history um, that we might not necessarily heard about or aren't very well known? Yeah, that's, it's a good question because there's a lot of them. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not to take away from Mulholland, Griffith, Walt Disney, all have huge impact on our history and are, are all very interesting. All, all three of those guys, uh, you could write book after book about them and they provide a lot of interesting information. But there's also a lot of lesser known characters that are also very important. Um, you know, one example that I think of uh, recently, just because there's been so much talk about Kamala Harris being the first uh, black woman nominated uh, uh, on, a, on a ticket for vice president, um, makes me think of Charlotta Bass. So Charlotta Bass, during the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, she ran the city's oldest black newspaper, the California Eagle. And she used a newspaper as a platform to fight against injustice, like you know, housing and employment discrimination. Uh, and actually, even 100 years before, you know, you heard about Oscar So White, uh, she led a protest movement against uh, racist portrayals of Black people in the, the movie Birth of a Nation uh, by D.W. Griffith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she, she also just, her work wasn't limited just to the pages of her newspaper. Uh, you know, she got, she wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty. I mean, she, um, you know, uh, she, at one point she got a call from a Black Angelino who dared to move into a white neighborhood and the neighbors threatened her and threw all of her furniture out of the house. So Bass, called up a local women's group and led a march down to the house, you know, like a hundred women. They all got to the house. They called the police, made sure the police came there, made sure they put all the furniture back in the house and kind of sent a signal to all the neighbors that look, intimidation won't work. Um, or another story where, you know, the KKK showed up to her house one, or to her office one night. Uh, Charlotte Bass didn't run, didn't call the police. She took out a gun and went to the window and showed the Klan members that she would not be intimidated. And it was actually the Klan members who retreated. Um, yeah, crazy story. I mean, yeah. and then on top of all this, you know, 70 or, I'm not great at math, 70 or so years before now we have Kamala Harris, uh, Charlotte Bass ran for vice president, uh, the first black woman to do so on a smaller ticket, the progressive party ticket. But, wow. you know, she was a trailblazer. And frankly, you know, she was a badass. Um, so, who doesn't get any uh, press. I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I know a bit about black history and I know a little bit about LA history. In fact, I've heard of like Biddy Mason and, and people. Yeah, sure. Like of course. Yeah. But I've never heard of this person. And uh, it, someone's <laughs> got to write a book. Someone's got to do a movie. I mean, wow. her story is just full uh, of, of just these fascinating stories that also go into, you know, some of the, you see, uh, you know, the you know, fight for civil rights, uh, is not limited to the 60s. You know, I think there's a lot of focus on the 60s and the 50s and, you know, you know, Brown v. Board and, and the Freedom Riders, and which is also very important. And in LA, we also had our own busing issues in Pasadena and uh, Inglewood, but it really shows that the history of the struggle for civil rights in, in LA goes far, far back. Uh, so she's just one of, the, I think, one of the most interesting characters that comes to mind. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to do some research on her. Uh, well, there's a podcast on her. <laughs> oh, you, you have one? On yeah, I did one episode on her. So. Oh, okay. I must have missed that one. I didn't, I didn't see that one. Feel free to check it out. All right. Awesome. Yeah, and, and you know, that's another interesting thing about Los Angeles. It's almost like a microcosm of, uh, you know, any issue you can think of. It seems like LA's dealt with it in the past and then now. And now, you know, if you look at the history of police brutality in uh, Los Angeles, 
uh, race relations, uh, just about anything you can think of. I mean, Los Angeles has a crazy story. W the w water situation. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why I brought up William Mulholland and Griffith and Griffith and Disney is because those are three people everyone's pr probably pretty much uh, heard of. And that's what I found, uh, find intriguing about your podcast is you pull up these people that have this amazing history and impact on Los Angeles that no one ever hears about, you know? Yeah. And, and it's never ending. I mean, you mentioned uh, earlier a story I've never heard of, and I love that about LA. I am constantly learning new stories and there is so much I don't know. Uh, I don't think I'll ever be, you know, a real expert on, you know, all this, because there's just so many stories to tell. And I feel like the more I dig, the more I find, which also is another thing I love about studying the city. Yeah. And a lot of these, uh, a lot of these people who built LA, they have fascinating histories. I mean, like oh, yeah. uh, you had a podcast recently about, um, you know, the guy who's Griffith Park, Griffith, J. Griffith. I mean, he's got a really interesting story. And then uh, Mulholland has an interesting story and you, you know, they all do the, the one you just described is crazy. I mean, imagine the bravery of having to stand up to forces like that during that time, especially. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay. So another thing that you talk about and we, we in Los Angeles love is our landmarks. So um, could you share with us some of your uh, favorite stories or history about an LA landmark? Well, you mentioned Griffith. So I, I have to, I mean, I love the story. Well, I don't love the story, but I, it's a crazy story. Uh, the crazy uh, story behind the namesake of Griffith Park. So we all know and love Griffith Park. Um, but the namesake, the story behind the namesake is not so well known. So the land that became Griffith Park was gifted to the city by a man by the name of Griffith, J. Griffith, who also sometimes went by Colonel Griffith, even though he was not a colonel, but I'll, I'll set that aside for now. Um, but in the years after he gave, um, you know, the land for Griffith Park to the city, Griffith started acting very strange. Um, he was drinking half a gallon of whiskey every day, every day. Uh, he started to believe that the Pope was conspiring with his wife to poison him. Uh, things were getting crazy. And uh, things finally came to a head during a vacation in Santa Monica. Griffith got a gun and demanded his wife kneel before him with her hand on the Bible. So while he pointed a gun to her head, and then he asked her a series of questions and then pulled the trigger. Uh, his wife at the same moment jerked her head and the bullet went through her eye. And then bleeding and blinded, she jumped out the window and was taken to the hospital by some bystanders, and luckily she survived. Uh, Griffith was charged with attempted murder, and at trial, he, uh, his attorney argued that he was the victim of alcoholic insanity, which reminded me somewhat of the Twinkie defense, I don't know, many years ago. <laughs> um, but Griffith was convicted of a lesser sentence, and he spent two years in prison. And then when he returned to L.A., he tried to rehabilitate his image by giving money to the city for a public observatory and theater in Griffith Park which eventually became the Griffith Observatory and Greek Theater. And it's just amazes me that out of such a heinous act came two of our most beloved LA landmarks. So, you know, every time I drive through Griffith Park and go to the Griffith Observatory, the Greek Theater, all things which I absolutely love and adore about the city, in the back of my mind is this story of a Griffith J. Griffith. And, um, you know, it's part of the history of LA. Yeah, and that's that's a great example because it goes back to how complicated some of these people are. I mean, like you said, he did a horrific thing, but on the other hand, we wouldn't have Griffith Park 
without this person and the observatory. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's so complex and fascinating when you read these backstories. Definitely. I mean, I, mean, I think that that's all across the country and everywhere we, we were struggling with, I think, how to commemorate and think about some of these figures in history that we build statues to. And, you know, there's a statue of Griff, Jay Griffith. And, you know, I think as a society, we're figuring that out right now, we're trying to figure out, um, you know, how these people should be remembered. Um, you know, you, you don't want to gloss over uh, the terrible things they did, but you also want to understand and, you know, not gloss over the important things they did. And, and I think we're as a city and a, a country still trying to figure that out. You know, I think about the Hinepro Sarah statue being torn down in, um, uh, by Union Station, you know, another character, which is an, a very important for our state's history. But when you start digging into it, oh, man, it, it is uh, some really heinous things and things you don't want to celebrate. Um, but we're still trying to figure that out, I think, as, as a city, as, as a state and country, uh, how, to, how to remember and how to think about some of these larger than life characters in our history. Yeah, that's a great point. It kind of goes back to what we were saying about how you can take LA history as a microcosm of what um, affects the rest of the country. For example, I was listening, it was actually a podcast, it's a really great podcast, it's called American History or something like that. And they had an episode on Andrew Jackson. And Andrew Jackson was, I didn't know this, but I mean, he was one of the worst, you know, I mean, he, he like uh, abused his slaves, he murdered thousands of people and all this stuff. But then he was also responsible for a lot of the land that we have in the U.S. So I think it kind of comes down to two things can be true. I mean, the person could be an awful person that accomplished, uh, accomplished certain things as well. But it's very complicated. It ties into the rest of how complicated American history is. And then also um, how complicated L.A. history is. Yeah. And I, I mean, my, you know, that's exactly right. Andrew Jackson, the Trail of Tears is uh, heinous, sad, but important part of our history because, you know, just like in LA, a lot of the country, we're on Native American land. Like, you know, this is, um, you know, we, our history is tied up with uh, a very tragic and at sometimes very heinous history uh, with Native Americans. So, you know, I think uh, it is our struggle to try to have a fuller and, and more I guess, yeah, more full uh, understanding and view of our history and not just to kind of hide some of the things that we don't want to talk about. You know, we, we want to, and I think it helps us understand our city, our state and our country better if we do understand, uh, you know, you, you can't hide from what Andrew Jackson did. Um, but then, you know, again, it's the, the harder question I think right now is people are trying to think about what to do with these statues. You know, do you keep the statue of Griffith J. Griffith or do you tear it down? Um, you know, as a society, we're going to, you know, figure that out, I think, over the next, you know, time period, next couple of decades, or even next couple of years, who knows? Yeah, that's very complicated. Um, at least we're having the conversation here in Los Angeles. I mean, um, I'd say in other cities, they might not even be having the conversation. True. So. Yeah, some people just want to gloss over yeah, the more troubling either, aspects of our history. One or the other, right? <laughs> So I wanted to ask you, I was t we were talking about this before, so um, I have a podcast, I know how much work it takes to do it, but for the most part, I'm just doing um, background on the uh, person I'm interviewing, but your podcast episodes get so in-depth, and I'm just 
very curious to how you put one together. Like, wh where do you find all this in-depth information about these historical happenings um, from Los Angeles? It depends on the subject. Uh, you know, read a lot of books, uh, newspaper articles. Uh, a lot of newspaper articles are available online, especially LA Times, uh, luckily is online. There's also uh, LA Central Library has a great collection of old news LA newspapers. So, and then also visiting archives. There's a ton of archives uh, around Los Angeles that are just great. And then sometimes interviewing people as well. I've had to interview people. It just depends on the subject. Um, for example, I did an episode on Clifford Clinton, the founder of Clifton's Cafeteria in downtown. Mm -hmm. And UCLA has his archive of papers and it's just boxes and boxes of, of his own papers. And I spent a couple of days out there at UCLA reading through his notes and things he'd written. And it was just amazing. Um, I really got a, a, you know, in a small way, I felt like I got into his head a little bit and uh, uh, tried to really understand uh, where he was coming from. Uh, so it just depends. But, uh, you know, we have a lot of resources in LA, um, I think so, in terms of different archives and, and ways to access old uh, newspaper articles. Uh, so it just, again, depends on the episode. So generally, you'll find something that you think would be interesting, and then you start digging in, seeing yeah. if it's more interesting, and then that's kind of how it goes? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be completely honest, I have about right now a list of 50 or so episodes I want to do. I mean, <laughs> it is literally endless. Uh, okay. I, I uh, it is just more usually of what I think I can actually get done in a reasonable amount of time and would make a good episode, you know. Uh, some of the topics, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how to do a good topic. Like I've been wanting to do something about, you know, the jazz scene on Central Avenue. Um, and I've talked a little bit about it in episodes, but sometimes it's, it's trying to find a way to tell a story that works like in a podcast episode, because it's such a big topic and there's so much as a part of that, you know, I need to find a way to tell a story that will work on the podcast. So, um, that's part of just the process of trying to, trying to make it work. Yeah. Okay, Robert. So I've got an interesting question for you. So you said you've got about 50 episodes you could do, but I mean, there's just no end to how much hidden history there is in LA, but let's imagine we fast forward 50, 60 years, your grandkids have taken over the podcast and what do you think that they could do an episode on now about Los Angeles, you know, 50 years from now, what, what's, what's hidden history or something that's really, incredible going on right now or in the last 10, 20 years in LA? Well, I think obviously the dealing with COVID, I think we're going to be sorting that out for years to come and historians are going to be looking back on this and how it affects all of us in a variety of ways. But putting that aside, I think one of the most interesting episodes uh, would be uh, if you did an episode about uh, our, uh, our local uh, city council member, Jose Wezar who uh, recently was uh, arrested and uh, charged with corruption. Mm -hmm. um, he was arrested and charged with taking bribes in exchange for getting high-rise buildings through the city's approval process. And the stories around this that are coming out are crazy. You know, like envelopes full of cash, bribes, trips to Las Vegas. Wow. When they raided his house, they found like $100,000 in cash stuffed in his closet. I mean, the whole thing is ready for a movie. Uh, so, I, and I think more stories will come out. So. Uh, I could definitely see a good podcast episode uh, years down the road about uh, Jose Wezar. Um, it would probably be fascinating. 
Yeah, that would definitely fit the vibe of your episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many. I think I feel like there's just in the past in LA history too. Now that you bring it up, there's so many stories you could do on corruption. You know. Uh, oh yeah. Well, no, that's. I mean, every time I read an article about Jose Wezar, I, I think about like the 30s. You know, where uh, corruption was the norm um in la politics and we've always dealt with corruption but there's been times where it's been worse and you know hearing some of these stories i just flash back to you know the 1930s um so it's definitely something we've struggled with in the city yeah and it's interesting you um, brought up covid because of course that would be something that um, would be a good episode and i listened to um a podcast about the 1918 pandemic but this episode came out before what we're going through now, but you know, but this was just like so out of the blue and kind of blindsided, but it's pretty much happened before. Like if you listen to this, um, what, what happened in 1918, I mean, it was actually worse as far as, um, well, so far we're not done going through with what we're going through now, but it's just kind of fascinating how so much history gets forgotten. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, LA dealt with, um, you know, the earlier pandemics as well. And it's funny, I, I don't know very much about it. I've learned a little bit more just since COVID hit, but um, you're right. You know, it's, again, I, I, I've been doing this for years. I'm obsessed with LA history. I'm constantly reading stuff. And I am literally, all the time people will tell me, hey, have you heard this story? And I'm like, no, never heard anything about it. Let me look into it. Uh, it's just, there's a never ending supply of, of stories that uh, need to be told about Los Angeles. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Robert. So let's jump into present day LA. I wanted to get your thoughts um, about how you would spend your perfect day in Los Angeles, especially since you've been here your whole life. So you know all the, uh, all the tricks and hacks for a good day in Los Angeles. But I want to preface this by saying this is after COVID. So maybe <laughs> late 2021, early 2022. Um, what would you do? And where would you go for your perfect day in Los Angeles? Well, to be completely honest, right now I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old, and the one-year-old is having a lot of trouble sleeping. So my perfect day right now would be staying in bed all day and sleeping. But <laughs> putting that aside, assuming that you know I'm returning to a more normal sleep pattern, um, my favorite thing to do in LA is is to wander. Um, I've loved doing it since I was a teenager. Um, I think one of the best ways to see the city is on foot and just to go to a place. And when I was a, you know, a teenager, I'd take the bus and, and just wander around. And now you can drive, drive to a neighborhood you've never been to before. And I still love doing it. And even neighborhoods I've been to before because they've changed. Um, I don't get to do it as much because, you know, just life. <laughs> I don't have as much free time as I used to. But there's nothing I like more in L.A. than just going picking a place to go, wander around, grab lunch, grab some coffee, walk around. I'm a big walker too, so I love walking. So it just, it, 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 to me, and even at this place, I'm, you know, go to Burbank. I haven't been to Burbank in a long time. I'd love to go uh, uh, check out what's going on in Burbank or, or, or checking out a new part of the city. And, and again, with LA, you know, with downtown changing so much, you know, I, I work down there. I used to live down there. I'm still seeing new stuff and I'm walking around the streets. And I'm like, my gosh, I've never seen that before. Yeah. So, you know, I just think to me, I love wandering around the city and um, for anyone who wants to get to know the city, I think that's a good way to do it. You know, 
and and I love all the driving the driving experience in LA is very important. Driving on the freeways has its own drawbacks and joys, uh, depending on the person. But there is for me no better way to get to know and try to really get in touch with the city and understand it than by just getting out there and walking. Yeah, that's a great answer. And I couldn't agree more because there's so many neighborhoods that I've driven through a bunch of times and I thought I knew it pretty well, but then I get out and I walk and I, you know, I come around a corner and there's a beautiful mural that I've never seen before, or there's this really cool little coffee shop that I couldn't see from the main street. There's just all these things you discover by getting out of your car and just walking around and keeping it into a, a small area, you know? Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. That was a great answer, Robert. All right. So, um, is there anything else you want people to know about that I didn't already ask you or we didn't already talk about? And I mean, with LA history or just living in Los Angeles in general? No, I mean, nothing jumps to mind. I mean, again, just, just a piece of advice to get out there and explore the city because, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, 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 I like New York. I love San Francisco. I love Minneapolis. I love New Orleans. I love, you know, all cities have great things about them. So I don't want to say LA is the only great city. Of course not. But I do think LA is a, a very special city and there's so many different neighborhoods and so many different city, you know, 88 cities in search of a community or whatever the saying is in the county and then within city of LA proper, there's so many different neighborhoods. Um, it is worth getting out there and trying to explore different neighborhoods and see different things because I have friends who spent their entire life on the west side and never really explored, you know, east of La Brea and I have friends who've spent most of their life, uh, never traveling west of La Brea or, or people who don't want to go behind the orange curtain or all that. And, and, you know, that's funny. And I get that. And we do have our favorite parts of the city, but you know, it is so rewarding to get out there and explore new parts of the city and, and to go somewhere you've never been to before or go to Santa Monica. If you've ever been there, 33 promenade, go to Pasadena. Um, you know, if you want to eat the San Gabriel Valley is a never, ending supply of amazing food options that will yes. knock your socks off. I mean, I grew up out here and it's endless. My, my wife grew up in Walnut and my in-laws are out there and, you know, Diamond Bar, Walnut, just an endless supply of places to check out. So my advice is to just as much as possible, get out there and explore the city. Yeah, very well said. We not, we not only have LA, but it's almost like we've got dozens of other tiny little cities that we can visit. And it's almost like taking a vacation. You go out for yeah, one day, very much so. explore one little neighborhood or one little city, and you never run out of stuff to do. Yeah. All right, Robert, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast. Where can people go to find out more about Hidden History Los Angeles and the podcast and follow you? Uh, got a, a website, hiddenhistoryla.com. Also got social media, you know, Instagram, Hidden History LA, and I got a Twitter account at LA Hidden History. Um, but mostly just check out the podcast. I, I try to do one about once a month. Uh, sometimes I can do more, sometimes I have to do less, depending on how many other things I got going on in my life. Uh, but just, you know, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe, and uh, I'll keep on trying to find uh, good, interesting episodes. All right, cool. Good deal, Robert. I'll put the links to all that in the show notes and keep up the great work, man. I really love your podcast. Great. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. All right. Take care, Robert. Bye. What's going on, LA Hackers? I hope you enjoyed that interview with Robert from Hidden History Los Angeles. If you want to find out more about 
um, Hidden History, you can go to hiddenhistoryla.com or anywhere you find podcasts, just type in Hidden History Los Angeles. If you love the history of LA, I know you're going to love this podcast. Okay, so let's get into what I chose for this episode. Um, So many fascinating characters in Los Angeles history, but I chose to feature one who's a little less well-known. Her name is Biddy Mason, and I'm going to give you a brief description of her story. Um, She was a former slave who built a fortune right here in L.A., and um, she was born into slavery in 1818, and in 1851, the slave owner, Robert Smith, took her and other slaves into California uh, for the gold rush, you know, which a lot of people did back then. But apparently he didn't know that slavery was illegal in California. So eventually they were discovered and all arrested. And um, long story short, um, Biddy Mason was given um, her free freedom papers uh, here in California by, by a judge. So for the rest of her life, she was free. Now, it's what she did after the after this, which is so incredible. So she worked for years as a nurse and a, and a midwife for more than a decade. And of course, the money wasn't a lot back then. But um, in that amount of time, in those 10 years, uh, she was very savvy business person and very frugal. So she saved her money and she bought some parcels of land downtown, three of them on South Spring Street. Now, of course, at that time, there wasn't much in South Spring Street. You know, it was just a vineyard and a couple of uh, houses. So the price was only $250. But when she died, that investment was estimated to be worth more than 100000 in the dollars back then, which is $2.7 million today. 20 years later, the estate was worth 300000 in their dollars and $8.3 million in our dollars. So she was born into slavery but for her descendants she left millions of dollars and that's quite a legacy and quite a thing to achieve in just you know one lifetime but the her fortune wasn't her only legacy so there's a reason why they've dedicated a um a park and plaque to her in los angeles i mean um she she was the wealthiest woman of color um in California and um, on this side of the Mississippi, but there was more to her than just uh, um, accumulating wealth for herself and her family. One of the reasons why she was so beloved, they actually called her Grandma Mason um, back then, is because she was so generous with the community. So, it you know she used to she was very very well known as being one of the most generous person uh, in Los Angeles back then, and she uh, dedicated this later part of her life to just giving back and helping out people who um, weren't very fortunate. So in 1991, they put that plaque up um, commemorating uh, Biddy Mason and what she what she accomplished in her life and her impact on Los Angeles. So really cool story. If you want to check out the um, plaque that I'm talking about, you can find it at 333 South Spring Street, you know, one of the original properties that she owned. Or um, I highly recommend that you read more about her. Um, you know, you can just go to Biddy Mason or just go to Google and type in Biddy Mason. And there's lots of great articles about more in-depth articles about her history and her life story. All right, guys. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I really encourage you to keep looking into um, Los Angeles history because there's so many amazing, incredible stories about the people who built this city, including people who don't get a lot of um 
awareness and like like Biddy Mason and others. All right, so that's all I got for you this week. If you enjoy the podcast, I would hope that you give me a um, positive review and subscribe, and I'll see you again next week. Take care.